neck? Yeah, how's it going?
knowledge, this um, this wine was sourced, or these grapes were sourced from Paso Robles. Okay. So probably. Do you know the name of? The um, I don't know the name of the vineyard. Um, that they were sourced the from. Ring. <laughs> Some random place. <laughs> Gross, great. Uh, possibly <laughs> in a warmer area of Paso Robles, ABA would probably be my guess. Um, maybe the Templeton Gap, which is a cooler area of the Paso Robles, ABA. But um, that would be those would be my two guesses: either a really warm or a somewhat cool um, climate. Sorry, I just noticed uh, something wasn't working the way it was supposed to be working. That's okay. <laughs> well, we'll deal with that later. <laughs> what do you always say? Amateur hour over No, oh, it is. It is. It is. It's it's a hundred percent amateur hour. Actually, Nick, uh, last weekend Sarah and I went on a little adventure. She was my designated driver to get my vaccine, my second vaccine shot. We went down to Oxnard, and we actually randomly found this uh, brewery called Casa Agria that's actually perfect for people who like wine and are curious about beer because a lot of their brews were made in oak barrels or they had uh, like uh, they had they made one with um, San Giovese they made another one with uh, Sauvignon Blanc Lise and they were delicious if you like sour beers they were really really tasty I, I was just gonna ask it sounds like a sour beer um type of place yeah and so sarah and i were like making all of these like little puns about how sour she is or not. <laughs> yeah just a little bit but they were delicious it was an oxnard actually that um episode is available on the podcast so uh we don't have an IGTV video for it, but it was really good. And then we had some really awesome like quesadillas that went with it from Liz's kitchen. You should have like volunteered to be the backup designated driver for <laughs> my vaccine, and you could have like joined us. So next time, um, well, actually, there won't be a next time because I'm not getting a third shot. <laughs> <laughs> Next time oh, we hit the road, you mean to come. So, um, so okay, so these were planted in um, Paso. In Paso Robles. And they were harvested, what year is this one? Um, 2019. 2019. And that was when it was put in barrels? Yeah, so it was um, depending on when they were ready. So my guess between September and October. Mm-hmm. When it would, they would have come down to Santa Maria. So was this stainless steel? Was it oak? This is oak. This is actual like oak barrels, yeah. not oak chips. This would have been okay. oak barrels. Um, just gone through the same process that all red wine goes through. I'm not sure on the t- on the toast of the oak barrel whether it was a medium toast or a heavy toast. Um, that is more of a winemaker. Um, secret as far as what they if they want to keep that hush or if they want to open that up to um the public um Sarah, did you see that she just like had a party foul and just like spilled wine in my patio shame <laughs> oh, trouble yeah okay yeah 
So uh, then these, uh, so they were in oak barrels. You talked about, uh, you're not sure about the toasting, but can you tell us what is toasting? toasting. Like, it's, we're not talking about. Yeah, to kind of oh. simplify it, it has to do with the, um, the amount, how long the amount of heat that is exposed to the inside of the barrel. Um, and when, it's really interesting if anyone wants to go and look online with cooperages, um, and it's essentially the same process that for whiskey barrels and bourbon barrels, and I think cognac barrels as well, um, go through this toasting process at a cooperage, which is the place where barrels are made. Um, and yeah, so the length of so time they that they want to leave the barrel over this little um, flame, they'll, they'll put the barrel completely over a, a flame that's coming out of something out of the ground. And the longer you leave it exposed to heat, um, the more charred the inside will get, and that will actually determine um, what type of flavors um, will come out as part of the characteristic for that wine. So Sarah's holding up a toasting uh, degree chart right now. Yeah. So um, what would the different degrees of toasting add to the Grenache? It, it all depends on what the winemaker, if the winemaker wants a super heavy toast that's completely charred like charcoal black or a very light okay. toast. So it's all preference on what the winemaker wants the wine to show off. So I have a question then. When you uh, read the descriptions of wines and they say like has like a charcoal flavor to it, is that where like that charring would come from or from the heavy toasting or? Um, that's kind of tough. It, it could and it couldn't. The heavy toasting could give some really intense flavor profile, but then again, it could not. It's, it's really hard to say. Because um, also with the descriptions on the back of a wine label, that's usually the, that's one person's description or a small group of people's description of the wine. So, Mm -hmm. Whatever they're tasting, someone may not get that um, when they have that same exact vintage. Mm -hmm. And usually, at least from what I've learned about barrels, as far as like, like you don't really char a barrel for wine. That's more something you do for whiskey, I think. I usually, I think you want to go more like medium or heavy toast, but to get to that char level, I think it would probably have a negative effect on wine. Is that kind of what you get out of things too, or what you've learned, Nick? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That yeah, the heavy toast, like you're saying, would probably do something opposite than what you would want. Um, yeah, there. I mean, people that have that wine goes through a medium toasted barrel, they could pick up a charcoal characteristic that they just that just resonates in their brain with what they might have remembered when they were 10 or something. So like, I don't know if you had like a really good experience at a campfire and that smell really stuck into your brain and you have a bottle of wine, you're like, and that could remind you of that particular event that you had years ago. So, yeah. And Sarah's pulling up a chart right now showing the different flavors that you get from levels of toasting uh, with different 
uh, types of oak in American French and Hungarian. Ooh, that's interesting. Hungarian oak. I haven't heard of that before. Um, from what I've learned, it's a very similar species or similar to French oak, but mm -hmm. um, just doesn't have the price point as French oak does. Oh. Um, I think it might have to do with regulations of Hungary versus France as far as how they're able to produce it maybe faster. Um, I'm not as well versed in that, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a, it's not just the fact that it's it's grown in America versus grown in France. It's also the fact that um, it, they're different species of wood. So just like there are different species of, uh, of wine grapes that have different characteristics, the wood for making barrels also has different characteristics that it can impart onto the wine. So it looks like Nick's ready to start tasting. So um, Nick, what are our tasting notes for the Grenache? Um, on the notes on the back of the bottle mentioned um, rose and strawberry jam for the aroma. And then for the palate, um, kind of summarize it up, it's very fruit forward wine. So a lot of red fruit, um, possibly some red stone fruit, so like plum mm -hmm. or cherry. Um, that could be a possibility. Um, yeah, I definitely pick up cherry and strawberry. But um, generally you'll get, um, and with Grenache, like in Burgundy, they, they tend to make Grenache slightly different than the way it's made in the Rhone Valley, um, specifically at Chateauneuf-du-Pape, which is a very well-known, um, worldwide known um, famous chateau in the Rhone Valley. Um, so different winemakers will source grape, the Grenache grape and make it kind of their own style of what they're looking for. Um, the acid's not very strong on this one. It's kind of low acid. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh, really, like, seems very clean, like very smooth. It's not... Um, and also just like the color is beautiful. There's this nice like strawberry plum, I don't know, plum or cherry. What would you say, Sarah? Beautiful. The color wise, it'll be between a Pinot Noir and a Syrah in the colors, like right mm -hmm. in the middle. Syrah tends to be very um, inky, very super dark purple mm -hmm. or dark black um, or a mm -hmm. dark shade in that area. And Pinot is kind of the opposite spectrum. A light can be a lot lighter in color, a little bit more delicate. So, this, yeah, this is so the like I've had Grenache before, and the Grenache that I've had here locally in town has been a little bit on the inkier side. So this was surprising to me that it's lighter, but I like this. This is nice. This is good for like a warm day. Yeah, and then um, on top of that, with um, with what you're saying with the inkiness, so they could have pressed it longer, so with more skin contacts so that would have pulled out a lot more of that pigment from the skins giving it a darker color oh okay yeah. well so then this wasn't pressed with the skins for very long not probably not as long as the one that you're referring to that you had locally in santa barbara so this was probably you know an, what we would probably do like an average time length on a press where it's just a regular cycle get the skins mm -hmm. away from the juice and then get it into a tank from there. Mm -hmm. Sarah and I are smiling because Bo just walked in. You have to see me. 
Oh, wait, you don't want to look at them because my chin. No, he just walked away. Never mind. He was sitting like, like underneath the uh, table, just looking at us like, okay, I'm here for the wine discussion. I'm ready. No, he was looking at treats. Okay, I was I'm trying sorry. to make it sound like he's sophisticated in the wine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Sarah, why don't you hold up your plate? So Sarah and I, we've, uh, Nick, I think, you know, we've gotten really into food, pairing yeah. <laughs> our wine with food. So hold, hold that back up. We'll talk about what we have here. So, uh, we have, um, some Moroccan green olives, uh, some Italian salami, and both of those came from grocery outlet. And then we have like a mini pineapple cake that I split in half that came from a friend of ours who got recently got married. And then um, we have a slice of leftover pizza, homemade pizza from last night, uh, a sourdough with uh, black olives, broccoli, some onions, and some salami. Oh, and as soon as I said broccoli, Mr. Bo was like on top of it. He's like, where is the broccoli? Somebody said broccoli. So yeah. So Sarah, did you try uh, anything, any of the food pairings with your wine and did it change the profile yet or you haven't gotten to eat, try it yet? No, I haven't tried it Okay, we, ha we haven't started nibbling yet. Do you have a pairing over there? Nick? I am doing classic cheese, so. Mm. What kind of cheese? Um, Jarlsberg, so it's a, it, I think it's a Danish um, semi-soft or semi-hard cheese. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah, and it's kind of, it's nutty, yeah. kind of. Yeah, and it looks like Swiss cheese, but it's not Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the cross between Swiss cheese and Gouda. Yes, yes. I I really do love a good Jarlsberg. Jarlsberg is also especially, I love it, like, grilled on a grilled cheese. Mm. Yeah. Grilled Jarlsberg. So uh, this wine is part of the uh, college's spring wine shipping, right? Yeah. Okay, and so your your the college's uh, spring wine shipment just came out, right? Yeah, and you can choose between a red and white option or an all red option. Okay, so uh, do we know how much this bottle is? Um, this one isn't. Hope isn't released out to the public yet, so this is an exclusive for wine club members oh. only. Wine club. Okay. Eventually, Let's it will be released available for the public to purchase for non wine club members. Um, so this is a monthly episode of Sip of Us, then. <laughs> yeah. So um, when we shipped out the first set of um, spring shipments, this was included with um, in the all red option. Um, and I think it might have been in the red and white. I'm not sure, but we were including um, at that time we were including this Grenache, the Zinfandel, and the Cabernet Sauvignon as part of the mm -hmm. wine shipment. Um, and then if you got if you did the the three, six, or twelve bottle shipment, you know amounts would vary in that shipment. So. Mm -hmm. Well. I feel like it's worth joining the wine club just to get this bottle of Grenache. So we're usually are the wines that are in your wine club shipment, are they usually wines that aren't made available to the public yet? And first and you just ship them out to wine club members for a certain period of time, and then you make them available to anybody on the website? Yes. Yes. So they'll be released. Um, from what I've noticed, they get released first to wine club and then um, a few 
months or so into the wine club shipment being released, it will slowly be opened back up um, mm -hmm. for public, for everyone else to purchase. So um, aside from selling wine, what have you and Sarah been doing at, at the winery? I mean, I know you guys are so close for tasting, but what season are we in right now with regards to the grapes? Is this pruning season or... I know it's not hard yeast, but like, where, where are you guys within your schedule of taking care of the vines? Um, our whole vineyard is pretty much um, green or leafed out is would be the term. So it just means leafed out is where the, the first set and the second set of leaves have opened up and you can, like in the photo, and you can kind of, you start to see the, so the small clusters forming which are exciting because that little cluster in the photo, that's going to become, that's going to end up going into our wine. So that's really cool. To, we get to see all the growth stages from that little cluster. And also previously before it, when it was lots, half the size, all the way up to where we can actually go back to that cluster and pick individual grapes for sampling to run tests or so are those little mini grapes on that cluster then? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's one cluster. So that one little cluster could weigh between, depending on the varietal, on average, maybe a quarter of a pound up to a pound and a half. Oh, wow. Depending on the varietal. Um, this is a Pinot 667. So that, that could be somewhere in the middle. Um, so those are grapes. Yeah. No, <laughs> I just, I, when I was out there, I grabbed a snapshot mm -hmm. because I thought they were just too adorable. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Okay, and remind us again, the 667, is that the clone clone number? It's one of the clones. One of the, the clones. Um, okay. The college has uh, 667, 777, and 91. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, so right next. So to go back to your so, question, aside from checking out the, the leafing that's gone with the vineyard. We're um, kind of doing a, a little bit of maintenance. Sarah and I, um, we're working on some of the irrigation to get it ready. So if we need to use it for something like frost protection um, in the future, we're not really, I don't think that we're gonna need any frost protection for Santa Maria, especially how coastal we are compared to the rest of, of um, the valley. Um, but if we do need to use it, for an emergency, um, it will be ready for us to use. And that our frost protection is a series of overhead sprinklers that we will, that we will oh. run. Okay, can you explain that then? Like, so what, you're then watering the grapes? So what we're doing, we're using water, just like you would if you were to take an ice cube and run water over it, how that ice cube will start to melt because of your adding cold water or somewhat colder, whatever temperature the water is coming out of it. I guess you could say room temperature. And you're mm -hmm. adding that onto something that's somewhat frozen or super, super cold. So you're re you're somewhat melting that ice or that really dense water to where it doesn't um, freeze the vines or the shoots to where they would then die. That's kind oh, okay. of the simplest way I could kind of sum it up. Um, and different vineyards will have different methods of frost protection. Um, one is with ice encasement, which is somewhat a little technical for me, but it's it's kind of interesting. That's one method. Other vineyards will use um, big fans that you'll, like if you go up to Edna Valley, 
or maybe parts of Santa Barbara County, you might see these large wind turbines that stick up, and those can be adjusted to suck up warm air from or cold air from the vineyard floor and kind of circulate it. And that will kind of push hot air down into the vineyard, just like in that photo. So that turbine that's tilted up, you can adjust it um, whichever way you want to push and circulate the air. Uh-huh. And then other methods are these large um, heaters that are on sleds that you can hook up to an ATV or a John Deere Gator, and you can move them around the vineyard, but because they're so big and heavy, they can take a lot of time just to move them across a vineyard depending on the size. They're really, they're really, really massive, and they're doing the same thing but they're um, as the wind turbines, but they're pulling up air from a lower area of the vineyard floor. Kind of like that one. Um, that's a different model I'm not familiar with. It looks like, so that's like a different turbine model. Um, and the, so oh, the, the great thing about the wind has- sleds is you can hook up a gas tank to it that's refillable, like a 20-gallon uh-huh. or like a 50-gallon gas jug, and you can just go out and refill it um, as you need to. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so we're kind of we kind of simplify it and just um, stick with the overhead sprinklers. Okay. So like, are you referring to like this photo that Sarah has, where it looks like some sort of like gun or something? That like, one's ready to pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> the other one looked like some sort of like circular wind fan. Yeah, but. I think like Nick was saying, it sucks it in, mm-hmm. and then that one has the propane tank to feed it. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it, you probably have different rules on how much of a threat frost protection is in your area. See, look, Mr. Bevel, who has resumed his position underneath the table, guarding the wine and the food. Guarding the food. Yeah, yeah. He's a. Uh, Speaking of food, okay, so it looks like Sarah has tried almost everything on her plate except the uh, except the pineapple cake. So out of the food pairings that we have here, those small bites, which one's been your favorite with the grenache? I think the pizza. The pizza. Just because you've got that little bit of tomato, the veggies, and then you got the saltiness from the cheese. And I think the salt from the cheese and the fat from the cheese is, yeah, it, I really need to get better with my vocabulary, but it brings out the flavors, mm-hmm. I think, more. Well, it's a sourdough herb crust. So I made this yesterday in my bread maker. It has a dough function. So I made my sourdough, and you can see kind of the uh, Italian herbs back there. And then there is uh, pink sea salt in the dough, which is probably where you're getting the salt from. But yeah, there's black olives, salami, and um, I cooked it on my pizza stone in my Breville. <laughs> so it, all of those things made it the perfect choice for the grenache. And it almost kind of brings out a hint of spiciness to it, which is really, yeah. Well, the uh, sauce has peppers, and so that could be the spiciness. And this spicy Italian salami. Nick's just looking at it like, okay, these oh, ladies are It's a little different. I'm, I, this is the first I've done like this type of style of cheese with a wine like this one with the Grenache. It's 
it's not too bad because it does cut a little um, little spiciness that I'm picking up in the not wine. Um, it's not <laughs> That doesn't make me want to try your Allsberg with Grenache. Not too bad. I would probably say, um, to go back on the grilled cheese idea, um, I would think that would be a good pairing. Um, just a good grilled cheese sandwich with this. Just a really <laughs> simple like not even dipping it in tomato soup like a lot of people like to do, but just the grilled cheese sandwich by itself with this, mm -hmm. I think would go really well. Um, and one recommendation it made on the bottle was roasted meats with spices. And that made me think about tandoori chicken. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, and I thought that yes. would be a really interesting combination like those those particular spices with the barbecued that barbecue style chicken in the clay oven with this would mm -hmm. work really well and since it's not this isn't a really strong wine it's pretty subtle um that could help with kind of cutting that spiciness if it's too spicy for some people in the tandoori chicken yeah i actually had um paneer masala or tikka masala last night for dinner and this would have gone really well with that mm -hmm. that kind of creaminess and i didn't make it very spicy but yeah that would have been really nice with this mm -hmm. yeah this is really nice i actually really i enjoyed it with the pizza but i have to say i really enjoyed the wine with the uh pineapple cake it went really well I think that's my favorite out of all of our little pairing items that we have here. The pizza would be my second favorite. What do you think, Sarah? She's thinking. Wow. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. There's something about like, so this pineapple cake, it has um, a dry cake with like a thin layer of like pineapple jelly inside of it. And that jelly is like super sweet and it pairs very nicely with the grenache. So is this a wine that needs dessert or? Potentially, <laughs> potentially. It could be a needs dessert wine. And then you can actually age mm -hmm. this for longer. So if if, so if you or someone was watching and wanted to get three <laughs> bottles of this and sell her, drink one now and sell her the rest for later, you could sell this for 10 plus years and it would probably turn out really great. I don't know anyone that would want to hold on to a wine for 10 years, but there are those that prefer older aged wine. I know. I do like to, the wine doesn't last very long in my house. Like it gets drank pretty quickly. But speaking of like holding on to wines for a long period of time, um, I recently saw, have you seen that new show on ABC that Whoopi Goldberg hosts? It's called The Con. No. No? Okay, so like two weeks ago, they had this episode on where there was this guy down in LA who like conned everybody into thinking he was like some super rich guy that was like buying all this wine. And then he was really making wine in his kitchen and refilling fancy bottles. I guess that, like Netflix made a movie. Yeah, that, that I was going to say that sounds really familiar. Um, there's one, the one on Netflix is called Sour Grapes. Mm -hmm. And I think that one is either about the same guy or very similar. This guy was like, he was doing the same idea. Like he was conning people and he would get like 
he like relabeled the bottles or something. And then it, what I found out is that people were calling the chateaus and the winemakers asking like, did you make a vintage of this? And he's like, they're like, no, I didn't make wine that year. Or I didn't do this uh-huh. with the wine. So yeah, it's a, and the guy made a lot of money doing it. And he was taking the wine bottles. Like when he would, people would open up the fancy wine bottles, he would ask the restaurant to like, save the bottles because he wanted to take them home yeah. and looking back people were like saying that it was weird it's the same guy that was on the con because i mentioned something about it. it's my friend justin whose family has a winery in um santa, santa rita hills and uh i mean in santa lucia highlands different place not santa rita hills totally different place. um and he told me that it was a, that's what the sour grapes was based on but yeah that's the only time I've ever heard of people like saving bottles of wine for like an excessive amount of time, like hundreds of years and stuff. And like, yeah. 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 Because yeah. Anything Otherwise, like a buck that nowadays works. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying is I can save the Alan Hancock Grenache bottle, make kitchen sink wine and then resell it. I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> but this is really delightful. It's a warm day here in Santa Barbara. What's the weather like over by you? It's um it's been pretty cool early in the earlier today with the with the coastal breeze that we've had. Um but it's been pretty warm, high seventies. Um occasionally we might get like a couple hours of an eighty degree heat spell that will come through but it's been very very nice out um mornings have been pretty foggy up here which is great because that will help us with our with prolonging the growing season kind of making it stretch out a lot longer now that we have yeah now that our buds have broken back in like well it was end of february when we had bud break in the vineyard so that's an indication we're gonna have a long growing season um in previous years and yeah can you what bud break is bud break is um well first you have bud swelling and then bud breaking and those are two indications of kind of like when a bear wakes up from hibernation um so the vines are Uh stretching they're waking up and they're slowly trying to get themselves started um going into the the fruit production stage because all they all the grapevine cares about is producing fruit with a seed it doesn't care that we make it into wine its duty is just to produce a seed that then can hopefully be scattered somewhere by a bird or an animal, and then it will, if that seed makes it in the ground, then a new vine will grow. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna have a, we're hopefully gonna have a long growing season, and with the buds swelling, um, the little buds that you'll have on a cane or a dormant um, grapevine will swell, and then you'll have this little white stuff that looks like wool. And then the picture that Sarah has is right after bud swelling, where it's, it, this is pretty much bud breaking. And then you'll have, um, that will start to unfold. And you'll have several, a couple sets of leaves with a cluster. And then within that cluster, you actually have two more clusters. So there's three cl- or three buds, I should say, within one little bud there on the, so you can kind of see there's like a little pink one off to the side. Yeah. Yeah, so that will be another bud that will produce um, another shoot with an, with another with two clusters. Every shoot, on average, produces two clusters. 
Oh, wow. Those are beautiful. And then, so it produces the bud, and then it flower. Does it flower? Um, it goes through a flowering stage, but it doesn't produce a traditional flower like an apple tree or a rose bush or anything like that. It, it goes, that's part of its normal growth cycle is flowering, but it's a little different mm-hmm. from the traditional sense of a physical flower. Oh, okay. It doesn't really need pollination in order to reproduce for the next year. It's everything's built into itself as far as the vine goes to be able to produce year after year. And then, and then that bud eventually becomes of that tiny cluster that you showed us the photo of earlier. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they become those beautiful purple granati. You show that. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes. Then several years later, it's in a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, in, it's in this bottle. Then. So you know what, Nick? What do you know anything about the artwork on here? Was this a student submission? This was a faculty. Um, faculty. Um, one of the. I, I don't want to say the de- a department head of the art department, but she's in that realm of being a full-time faculty is Nancy Jo Ward. Um, and mm-hmm. she also designed the sparkling label for the sparkling wine um, with, yeah, the, with the familiar. flamenco dancer or the floaty cord. And then also the um, yeah. labels for the Syrah. She's done oh, the, okay. that label as well. And um, she does, uh, her style of artwork is pretty interesting because she'll do mixed media. So she'll take like, she'll almost take like different types of artwork and she'll kind of combine them together and like overlay them kind of. It's it's really interesting, her method of doing these different works of art. And what is the subject of this painting supposed to be? Um, The only guess I can make because of a lot of Nancy Joe's artwork is focused around women. Mm-hmm. It up. So it's, she, that's one like subject that she likes to use a lot in her artwork is women. Um, that's all I can really say about that as far as um, her painting. <laughs> Just women. <laughs> well, it's a very common that's a- theme that's in her, in all of her art is women. Well, take it. We like we like paintings of women in them too. We're pretty. Yeah, we, that's our favorite subject, right? <laughs> women. Mm. No, Sarah's like no wine, wine or, or rocks or dirt. Yeah. So, speaking of rocks and dirt, what kind of soil does the Grenache grape like? Oh, um, um, I would. My guess is going to be a loam because it seems like most vines do well in loam, unless, um, what, what do you think, Nick, of you? I would agree with the loam for the Rhone Valley. I'm not sure as far as for Spain, because um, I've, I've heard of in Spain, they'll, um, they'll grow them shorter to the ground, so maybe they'll grow the vines to about two feet not two feet um maybe like four foot high um and that could be for wind protection um especially if it's in a really windy area where there's not a lot of trees and they want the vines lower to the ground um 
And then also depending on if it's dry, if the vineyard's dry farmed, um, that can also be a different soil type as well for that type of farming practice. And then if it is dry farmed, the clusters will be smaller, giving a more even skin to fruit ratio. So the tannin structure is a lot different. Some people prefer dry farmed grapes for the more balanced, well-rounded quality that the grapes give um, through the winemaking process. Um, Can you explain dry farming? Are you just like uh, starving the vines from getting any water or like a water? Some would think that it is starving, but you're actually forcing the vines to strengthen themselves by digging, by going deeper and deeper into the water table. Oh, okay. So dry farm is heavily reliant on rainfall. Mm-hmm. And um, you can irrigate in a dry farm setting if you have no rain for the year. So you could water once a month at a very low rate of water. That's one method to do it, um, depending on the region that you're dry farming in. Um, and also dry farming, the whole, um, a lot of the trellising is a lot different. Um, like if you were to go up in Napa, there's um, I think there's some dry farming going on. Paso, there's there's some dry farming um, here in Santa Barbara County in Cuyama Valley. There's um, a vineyard that dry farms um, Zinfandel. Um, okay. So there's a lot of now, different benefits to dry farming, um, but it's not for the, everyone. Does the college dry farm or no? We do not no, dry we, farm. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. And I was just looking up. Um, at different soils in Spain, and they are mentioning schist, granite, clay, chalk limestone, and stony gravelly. So it That's seems like um, they've got a, a different uh, geological setting than the Rome Valley as far as where they have their Grenache mm-hmm. growing. Okay. I find that really interesting. It is. That's, that's very interesting because a lot of, in the Rhone Valley, everything's focused around the river, the Rhone River. So that's mm-hmm. um, that's probably where the loam soil that you mentioned would come into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense why you have that type of uh, soil structure in that depositional environment. So yeah, and this one sounds like it's more um, more of a rocky terrain where soils in Spain, maybe they haven't had a chance to really develop as much, so you have more, yeah, less weathered, I guess, uh, schists and granites and limestones. Yeah. So we, so what is the soil profile then that the Grenache would have grown in in past Robles, that, if you had to guess? That's tough. Um, if it's near, like, my guess if it's by, like, the Adelaide, district which is um where the wider all the geology background where talbos creek is located in the adelaide district of paso um there tends to i've heard there tends to be more limestone up there uh that's a lot that's more of a warmer environment than like the templeton gap which is by like um where victor hugo winery is um and that would probably be more of a my guess of like a loamy maybe a clay mixture just um, just with ballparking it. Um, so it's really tough because there's so many different microclimates in the large realm of Paso Robles AVA. Um, so it's, it's really tough to narrow it down. Um, 
if I knew where the grapes were from, then maybe that would help out a lot more. But um, the folks in the winery just didn't want to share that with us. Is that common where you will get a donation of grapes and you, it's anonymous? Like, I mean, obviously someone at the school knows where these grapes came from, but is it possible that like a winery that's pretty high end doesn't want people to know that they donated their grapes to the school? Well, um, there are wineries that will get, well, will buy grapes, say, um, from Viennesito let's say, for example, and they'll put on the label Bienecito Vineyard because that's where they source the mm -hmm. grapes from. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think that you have to put that, the vineyard location. Um, you do need to put mm -hmm. the region that the grapes came from. So like here, we all we really needed to put on there was Paso Robles. Or we, okay. could, say if, or we could say San Luis Obispo County, for example. Um, that's why like on oh. our... For example, our Syrah that we've had previously, we had a Santa Barbara County on the label, and that just um, signifies that the grapes came from anywhere in Santa Barbara County. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when they came in, I think they just told us the grapes came from Paso. So it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, you were asking about the idea of what the soils were like depending on the vineyard. I mean, even within the school vineyard, um, we've got that little band of sand that goes mm -hmm. through. So like, as you know, coming from a geology background, if you take samples from one site and you go next door, mm -hmm. you're not going to have the same type yeah. of soil necessarily. Um, right. It's going to change so much, and especially if soils are so hard because you get pockets of things, one here, one place here, and then you know, depending on how everything was uh, deposited, it's going to change drastically over small portions of areas. Plus, so. are, aren't you guys in the River Valley? Um, I have to double check that. I think we are. I think we're in QOA. So. Kind of like the flip. You're in a loop. So for those non-geologists yeah. <laughs> out there, QOA means Quaternitary Old Alluvium. <laughs> I think we're, there, we're in the, the newer stuff. I think we're kind of on the which is material you usually find in a floodplain or river uh, valley. Um, so you guys are, how close are you guys to the Santa Maria River? I double check. That's a good question. We're pretty close to it. Um, mm -hmm. And we can, like, like, clear, we can see the hills up by Napomo from the vineyard on a clear day um, to the mm -hmm. north of us. Um, and then you know, right when you get, when you're heading to Napomo, there's the San Maria River right there. So we're not, we're not too far. I want to say maybe five miles from, and the college is, I would say maybe five miles from the San Maria River going north. Mm, okay. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. basically we're, the vineyard's to that green oh, dot. Oh, hold the map up. Oh. So the vineyard is, Basically, see, um, the kind of uh, by that green dot because it's across mm -hmm. the street from the uh, the actual college, mm -hmm. the campus. So it's by the um, softball and baseball mm -hmm. fields, and then and then the that yeah, we can see the river. Yeah, schools are close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you could imagine before all the development was done, maybe that was at one point part of 
the floodplain of the river. Yeah, and it's um, obviously actually when soil. I say maybe, I mean I should actually say yes because I did a report about the Santa Maria <laughs> when I was in grad school. So we can I can bring that to the next episode <laughs> and we can talk about the Santa Maria <laughs> River. But no, um, yeah, that would that's the QO and the alluvium. It's mainly sand, gravels, silts. There's some clay there, and yeah. it's obviously good soil because that's where the community garden is yeah. adjacent, right next to the vineyards. Well, that's where you want to farm because that's where all the nutrients are mm-hmm. that are coming through your system. Yeah. So, yeah. So, oh, did you just hear that? Bo just burped. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> he just, like, he looked up, and he was like, oh. And, like opened his mouth so I mean <laughs> I know like what have you been doing down there have you been drinking wine down there Bo <laughs> he's like why are you looking at her I've been he's been a really good boy today he's not demanding any food yeah well uh Nick do we have anything else to talk about with regards to this wine um, um I have a question yeah, favorite thing with you guys, if you could have your favorite dish to go with this wine, what would you want with this wine? Make your own first. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyone? Put me on the spot. Um, I don't know. I, was thinking- I know. I want some tri-tip with this Grenache. I feel like red meat, seasoned, would go delicious. Specifically some tri-tip with some, like, chopped cilantro and onions. Like a salsa or like a pico de gallo? Yeah. I would probably go with um, like a brisket, like a barbecued brisket. I'm I'm just thinking something for me, red wine and barbecue is a go-to for me. Um, Just whatever is being barbecued will will change from time to time. Mm -hmm. I would probably just like a brisket with this one. Or some grilled salmon would go nice with this, too. I'm going to go completely different than you guys. I was thinking either a paella or, like, a chipino. And having that, like, tomato base, I think, would really help bring out some of the flavors. But maybe I'm crazy because I've got a weird palate. No, I think paella would would go great with this. Um, I'm not a huge chipino fan, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to promote that, <laughs> but um, it's too much of like a fish soup for me, and I love like clam chowder and lobster bisque, but I just, um, the fish in there, no thanks, but um, yeah, the paella, I'm 100% behind that, so if the next time we open one of these bottles of Grenache, Sarah, you want to like make some paella, I'm there. I've never made paella, but I'm always willing to experiment. Oh, yeah. If you suffer through my bad mistakes with me. I feel like this could also be another road trip where we grab our bottle of uh, a, the Grenache and then we go in search of paella, like take out paella, and then we like sit there and we like try several different kinds of paellas. Nick's sh- shaking his head. He's like, I'm down. He's like, pick me up. I'm ready for this road trip. You guys had too much fun last week without me. Speaking of which, next weekend, we're not doing an AHC one. We are doing, um, Sarah and I are going to do a brown bag with, uh, we have some friends that have been watching. Um, they're actually some of our engineering friends. And uh, they saw Sarah and I doing the brown bag. 
thing with the bottles where we have the descriptions and then we, well, you know, you played with us, Nick, and like, you didn't do so well. <laughs> but, um, so they were like, we want to play too. So they got a new, uh, like one of those uni, like wood uh, fire uh, pizza ovens. So next week, Sarah and I are going to uh, sample what Brad says is the best pizza ever. Like, if he says it will be life-changing, the uni pizza experience. And it's gonna we're doing Pinot Noir, where you're going to do three bottles. I'm going to pick a bottle, Sarah's picking a bottle, and then our friends, Brad and Aaron, are picking a bottle. And they have to be Pinot Noirs from Santa Barbara County. And get this, Nick, Sarah decided that we should not tell each other which bottles we're getting just in case two people because several of us belong to the same wineries mm -hmm. just in case we bring the same bottles from the same wine clubs that we belong to and he said it'd be really funny if like we thought if we couldn't tell that it was the same bottle so i don't know how that's gonna work but that's what we're doing next weekend are you having fomo hmm? All right, do you have like already FOMO? Are you like I want to be there? Because oh. we can we come join us. <laughs> It'll be He's thinking, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You want to drive down to Santa Barbara next weekend? I'm bring out a fourth Pinot. You have to I'm bring a sure. fourth Pinot. Pinot, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's like hanging out with him and Sarah. <laughs> One hour a week is one hour a month is enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, speaking of other like episodes, Sarah said she talked to you about um, the Men in Kilts and that you saw the previews and that you're interested yeah, in joining in our Men in Kilts recap. Yes? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Oh, possibly. Okay. So my mom found a way to watch the entire season, like, for free through some like promo or whatever so i'll forward it to you okay. so we can do that and um and then a few scotches on yeah. hand at home and she's got a fire pit so we were thinking fire pit scotch men and kilts sounds like a great time that sounds like a pretty good time <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well my house it'll probably end up being sean grilling something yeah and we'll and we'll have a personal chef there is what i'm hearing I'll never be allowed over again. You used to be on the be like you list. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Sean is like a master at the barbecue. Although he's his own worst critic. This but is he's pretty fantastic, not gonna lie. I've never had anything that he's made that I wasn't like, can I please come back over tomorrow? are like repeat he's he's got one of those big big green eggs well actually his is orange yeah one of those like eggs and he will like cook the meat on there like he'll smoke it hours. sometimes for yeah. like 18 hours yeah it's an experience yeah okay so we have totally digressed yeah. a little bit we are no longer talking about the grenache um okay so before instagram kicks us off of live in three minutes nick what do people need to know about the Grenache other than you need to be in the wine club to get this? It's a great wine. Uh, we, Sarah and I rated it as uh, needs dessert. What did you, would you rate? Oh, okay. I Sarah's not. Sarah's changing her rating. What would you rate it as, Nick? Um, a good time. 
a good time. Oh, I was between, that's a good one. Otherwise, I was thinking it could also be a porch pounder because it's pretty nice and smooth and easy to drink. And on a warm day, yeah. I could see sitting in the shade and just knocking this back with a couple people. So due to the lack of, there's like all, basically no ink. This is not an inky wine at all. And because it does look kind of translucent, I would wonder have you guys tried chilling this before like because you know how some red wines do like you chill a little bit i would like want to try this chill and then i would be willing to rate it as either a porch pounder or chill it and kill it yeah um, but i feel like i need to like try it first yeah and, and there are red wines that can be chilled possibly this could be one um for all those out there that like spanish red wines um Grenache is, is called Grenache in Spain. So it's the same grape as Grenache, um, just a different spelling and pronunciation. Um, my guess is for sangria, Spanish-style sangria, they might use this particular type of grape, depending on the region oh, yeah. of Spain, for sangria. That's my guess. Um, mm -hmm. I would think that sangria, the recipes vary from place to place. Um, just like how salsa recipes vary from house to house and tamales vary and paella recipes probably vary as well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it probably could be a great wine to chill, um, maybe make into a sangria. Uh, the more I look at the color, I never thought about that because I think it's so good by itself that trying to add more to it, I'm like, hmm, I wouldn't want to do that. But yeah, I... Yeah, I know. That would make perfect sense that Grenache should be great for this area. So what I'm hearing is we need to save a few of these bottles of Grenache for Fiesta because I feel like everyone's getting, well, not everyone, but like enough people are getting vaccinated, <laughs> myself included, where um, hopefully there will be a Fiesta this year so then we can make sangria with the AHC Grenache. That's a possibility. Yeah. It's so good by itself that I feel like, I don't know, like I would just drink it on its own, but eh, I'd be willing to give it I feel like this could be an exciting experiment. Try it. Yeah. Do we have to wear Can we wear Okay. Sarah really wants to wear a <laughs> I think you need to find like some sort of like mad scientist experiments for her to do at the winery. Well, I, I have the, the, um, the breathable goggles from one of my chemistry classes that have the vents on the sides. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. We could probably get some Sarah, dry ice and one of those really long gloves that go up to your elbows. Those rubber gloves. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think we've got a pair at home. Yeah. We'll get, yeah. Some, we'll get like seven millimeter or five millimeter gloves. <laughs> We've all spent a lot of time in science classes. <laughs> just start getting my hair just going crazy like Einstein. Okay, so it sounds like this is going to be a Halloween theme. We're, we went from Fiesta to like Halloween wine. <laughs> like, I. <laughs> so, yes. Um, but yes, with the dry ice, I have actually gone to wineries on like Halloween or Halloween weekend. And they put like dry ice in our to like make it look like a spooky like hocus pocus like solution, and um, the red wine with the dry ice, it de depending on the varietal, it's it's interesting what the dry ice does to 
flavor profile. Hmm. Okay, now I'm really curious. Okay, Sarah, Sarah's got her thinking face on, and she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, we need to do this. You're talking Halloween, and you're talking wine. I'm, I'm down. I know, it's only like, what month is, is April? I don't know what month it is anymore. It's like, play. I don't know if that's enough time. Okay, you know what, we can do it. We, we can start doing these science experiments, starting, like, we can do something, like, experimental every weekend in October is like the lead up to Halloween. How does that sound, Sarah? I like it. Okay. And we'll do the craziest experiment the weekend of my birthday. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. So awesome. My birthday is in October, Nick, so mark your calendar. <laughs> That's why I said we'll do the craziest one. Very subtle hint. <laughs> my birthday. No, we're gonna well, we're gonna do something awesome. We're gonna do an awesome episode. Well yours isn't until November. That's we should do birthday episodes. Nick, when's your birthday? Or you, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to. Mine's next month. Next month. Oh, so next month we're going to have birthday wine then for the episode. <laughs> it's like, what did I just start? <laughs> okay, well, we've totally digressed from Bernache, but yes and no. It's delicious. It's fun. You can do all kinds of fun experiments with it, and it goes with all sorts of food. Yes. And look, Bo had too much to drink. Oh, he was passed out. <laughs> he was asleep, but then I said his name. I shouldn't have said his name. He was like, oh, I'm passed out. So he had a big day today. He went to the fish market. He went to the beach for his boot camp class. And now he is, he's a production crew right now. So. And guardian of all the wine. So. Well, thank you, Nick, for joining us today. This was great. I learned a lot about Gronk grapes, how they grow, where they grow. And, um. This is a really delicious wine. We'll have to, so if you haven't joined the wine club, you need to, so you can get access to this wine. Because you know, there's only a finite number of Grenache bottles, right? Nick? Yep, that's we're very limited. Um, every every varietal we've bottled, the cases all vary. Um, also, that has to do with the amount of grapes that we receive, if it's a donation or what we produce. So this. So people shouldn't snooze on this and think, oh, well, I don't need to join the wine club to like get a bottle. I'll just wait until like they release it to the public. It's like, no, enough people might join the wine club, or because then wine club members, once you join the wine club, can wine club members then buy more Grenache? I believe so. They can. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly yeah, so how that works out, but I would believe that's pretty close. Okay, so snoozing on this is not a good idea. Join the wine club today, right? Yeah. yeah okay. We will, we will ship directly to your doorstep, too. So. I, I do like delivery. It's great. Like, everything, like, getting shipped to my place late in this past year has been awesome. I have so much more free time to, like, do everything else or nothing at all. Both are good options for me. So, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. For sipping with us, and um, we can, do we know what we're gonna drink next month, or we still are trying to decide? Um, I think we can make an announcement earlier for the next one. So, for those that are out there that want to join us, um, 
that want to comment in the comment section on what they're tasting or what they're smelling with the wine. I think we could probably figure it out enough in advance to give people time to make their orders. Okay, awesome. So do you think maybe like, maybe in like two weeks we'll post what we'll be drinking? Yeah, maybe the first week of May we'll, we can release something. Okay, sounds good. And Mother's Day gifts? Uh, what would, on um, out of your wine catalog, what would make a great Mother's Day brunch like? Um, um, the, um, the Centennial Sparkling, it's a gorgeous label, um, it's a delicious wine, and who doesn't like pink bubbles? I'm all for bubbles, yeah. Nick, are you, do you concur? I agree with that one. I was going to add our, um, we still have plenty of Grenache Blanc available that, that was, um, sourced from Halter Ranch in Paso Robles. Um, so that would be a great white wine as a gift as well. Okay. Alrighty. So these are great gifts and great wines. So, alrighty, Nick, you have a great evening. Thanks for joining us. We had so much fun. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.